Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our Nelson City location pastor, Shannon Johnson, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. How's everyone doing this morning? Doing well? Give the person next year a big high five and let them know they made the right choice to be in the room. Dan's high-fiving himself. Ah, that's good. So good. Hey, well, uh, great video. Brother Lou in the house. Mr. Carney, the mighty oak. That's awesome, bro. It's pretty moving, isn't it? Pretty inspiring. I I think those uh, pieces of media always are. And uh, I love this uh, theme that we launched last week, uh, following Jesus. Um, and hey, obviously we plagiarized it of Jesus himself. He kind of launched it about 2,000 years ago, right? Just saying, got to acknowledge it. If there was a footnote at the bottom, it would be like, yeah, Jesus Christ, the actual Messiah, (laughs) AD. I don't know what his publisher was, but anyway, doesn't matter. But last week we launched this theme uh, that we really want to lead into, not just as individuals, but as a community of following Jesus. Uh, And so this morning we're just going to continue the conversation. Uh, Part two, come next week, we'll probably be doing part three. Uh, Come next year, we'll probably be doing year two. Um, But it's just the sense that afresh we want to lead into this season of what does it look like for us as individuals and us as a family of faith to follow Jesus uh, in this season. And it's pretty cool seeing those old photos at the end of it. And Because I know a lot of those photos are photos that um, they might not necessarily mean much to all of us in the room because we weren't actually there. But those photos represent a story that has been happening. Um, and the fact that today we can be here because of some things that were happening, be it 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But the thing I love most is the fact that even if those photos don't bring back memories for all of us in the room, it doesn't really matter because all those photos represent is a story that God has been unraveling since the dawn of creation. And I love the fact that today we can take photos uh, that in 10 years and in 20 years' time will actually hold some like significant and emotional like weight and nostalgia because we look back and think, yeah, wasn't it amazing how God was in that moment? We knew it was happening, but uh, we didn't realize exactly what was happening. Sometimes it's not until hindsight that we really get to see the incredible work that God is doing. So, following Jesus. You ready to have a chat about that? (laughs) Um, Isn't it crazy the excitement, the buzz that you kind of feel within when you start thinking about talking about following Jesus? Um, What does it even look like? You know, how do we even follow Jesus? I reckon we should start there. I want to read a bit of a scripture this morning. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18 onwards. Uh, actually, we've got some, we've got some like show notes, eh, Beck? It's on there as well. Um, if you can hand them out, that would be fantastic as well. But I'm going to read this this morning because starting to follow Jesus always begins with accepting an invitation to come follow me. (laughs) Me not being me, but me being Jesus. 
Let me read from Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. It says this, And he, speaking of Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee. They were mending their nets and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and they followed him. I love this story. I reckon it sums up the beginning. We have a God who recognises us, but he just doesn't see us at a distance. He recognises us, then he calls us, and then he repurposes us. I love as we're reading through the story. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee around the edge of this large lake, and he sees these guys, Simon. He sees them, Andrew. He sees them, John. He sees them, James. And he says, come follow me. You know, sometimes it's easy to read the scriptures and you read it as a story, but you know, I reckon like in moments like this, we've got to like personify it. Like think about it in this room. We know that Jesus isn't actually here because he rose again and he ascended to be with God the Father. But we know that God is with us through the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of Christ does dwell with us. And even though we can't see him in the room, the Spirit of Christ is with us to testament to all of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ taught so that we would know what it was that he taught. So even though Jesus isn't here, his spirit is. And I reckon as we look around the room, it's easy to read a story where he called a couple of people. But I reckon he's calling us. You know, when I look around the room, I'm like, I reckon like Reggie and Renette, you know, the spirit, like you already know this. He's like, hey, come follow me. And Reggie's is like, uh, duh, Shannon, I am. I'm like, yeah, it's a good thing. Because as he looks around the room, I'm like, ah, Cara, come follow me. In fact, I could go around the whole room, Murray. I reckon he's whispering to the very core of our being, just in the same way he vocalized on the edge of the lake this day, come follow me. Griffin, Jesus, his spirit would say, come follow me. Because here's the thing. He calls us. And in this calling, he doesn't just recognize who we are and he doesn't just recognize what we're doing, but he goes one step further and he repurposes who we are and repurposes what it is that we're going to be doing. I love these words. He says, come follow me. They were fishermen. Come follow me and I will make you not fishers of fish, but I will make you fishers of people. Paul, you know, you said, I'm a building inspector. <laughs> I'm not a, what did you say? I'm not an inspector of men. That is not a good way of phrasing it. <laughs> but it's like, it is the same thing, right? It's like, yeah, in the natural, you're a building inspector. But God is building his house. God is building his temple, the body of Christ. And absolutely, there is a repurposing where you look at the structure and you're able to see the things that are strong and also the things that need to be fixed. It's like, absolutely, God is saying, it's the same in the spiritual. 
You'll be able to see where there's areas of strength. You'll be able to see where there's areas of needing work. And I want you not just to be focused on the natural buildings, but also speak into the life of the building that I am building that is the New Testament temple, the place where the Spirit resides. We could go all around it. You know, Donna, an engineer. It's like, well, teaching young, in, what up? You teach, is it an engineer school, eh? Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm like second guessing. But it's like, yeah, cool. You're teaching these young men and women to become engineers, but also it's like you're an engineer in the spiritual realm. You know how to work the lathes and you know how to work the tools and you know, you know how to keep safe in that environment, but it's the same in the spiritual. And it's like God has given you strengths and talents and abilities to actually be able to not just teach students of natural engineering, but actually to teach students how to engineer atmospheres of faith, how to engineer environments of breakthrough. All of us. He, he recognizes us. Come follow me, he calls us, and then he repurposes us. These men dropped everything to follow him. And as we read through the Gospels, we see that many other men and women did the same to follow Jesus. Even when Jesus left, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, I think we're in the billions of people have actually on some level decided, man, we want to follow this person that is Jesus. You know, being a disciple, it's not just about being a student and it's not just about being a learner. It's about being a follower. It's about being someone who follows Jesus, who is being changed by Jesus, and who over time becomes increasingly committed to the mission of Jesus. Dallas Willard, he's a, he was like a great Christian philosopher and theologian. He passed away not too long ago, but if you're ever looking for some great stuff to read, he's always a great guy to read, but he says this, he says, discipleship to Jesus Christ is the greatest opportunity an individual human being can have in life. And it is the only hope that corporate mankind has of solving the many of our insurmountable problems. Here's another quote I read that I think kind of juxtaposes that quite nicely. It was uh, by a guy called Rich Villodas. I follow him on Instagram. That's right, this morning I'm preaching out of the gram. (laughs) But I read this and I'm like, oh man, that speaks. He said this, he said, the sad irony of our day is that we can be deeply committed to being a Christian, but not so deeply formed by Christ. And I think that's really something that we have to address in our culture where, you know, it's like for many of us, Christianity started by being an ancestral religion. We were born into a family that had been Christian, right? And so there's this process of it's always been. But we've got to know what it is to not just be a Christian because it was our natural lineage, but at some stage we actually follow Christ and allow him to form us. I think for many of us as well, maybe we're on a spiritual journey and we discover Christianity because it's the largest religion of the Western civilization. But that itself, it might have been a great doorway to walk through, but it's not just choosing to tag on to being a Christian because it's one of the great primary options, but actually following Jesus isn't just about saying, 
all the right things and coming on Sunday, I think as we follow Jesus, we have to continue to explore what does it look like to be deeply formed by Christ? That our spirituality and our legions wouldn't just be lips deep. We wouldn't just wear the hoodies, but actually, regardless of what we're wearing, it would be clear of who we follow because of our lifestyle. Inside flowing out rather than the outside being just on show enough. Um, I did some maths, and I know that DK, I, sometimes I'm just, I just need statistics in this talk to keep DK engaged. But <laughs> that's not true. Uh, but <laughs> uh, you know, these men, Simon, and uh, James and, and John and Andrew that chose to follow Jesus, they, they got the privilege of being with Jesus for a three-year period where Jesus came and went through this rapid entry into public ministry before he went to the cross, his death, resurrection, and ascension. Three years they spent following him. And I was thinking about that because, you know, you can rack up a lot of airtime in three years, you know, another word that we often use for this idea of discipleship is uh, apprenticeship. I think it's probably language that fits our culture a little bit more cleanly. That disciple is not really a word we commonly use. And I was thinking about the modern day uh, apprenticeship, whether it be a building apprenticeship or, uh, uh, Asher, you're doing an apprenticeship, eh? So uh, you're training to be a sparky? Uh, Three-year three apprenticeship? You could do it in three, mate. <laughs> all right, all right. My stats are three years, maybe four. But, but listen to this, right? You know, we all know we go to work on average five days a week, um, but we don't work every week. We live in a nation that is blessed that we get four year, uh, weeks of annual leave. Uh, you know, that's the lowest amount if we're employed full time. Uh, but look, we don't just get four weeks of annual leave. We get 12 public holidays. I'm like... Oh yeah, Martha Riki, we just like upped it from 11 to 12 and all of like the business owners are like, when is this ridiculousness going to stop? And everyone else is like, not till we get to 365. <laughs> um, but, all right, so you've got four weeks a year, then you add on your 12 stat days. So that kind of ups it to, we only have 45.4 work weeks per year. If we work for 40 hours uh, for these hours, um, for these weeks a year, it reaches 1,816 hours on the apprenticeship site per year. So three years with Jesus, let's times that apprenticeship by three. That reaches 5,448 hours. Now, if you divide that by two, which is the average time people spend at church on a Sunday, how long would it take you just by going to church to complete your apprenticeship? <laughs> The answer is, you would have to go to church for 52.38 years of your life consistently without ever missing a Sunday to complete your three-year Jesus apprenticeship, <laughs> right? And some people wonder why what they see in their life 
doesn't look like what they thought they were supposed to see in their life. When they come to church, when they read the Bible, they're like, we read these words of what it's supposed to look like when we spend our lives following Christ. But there's this tension of like, what I see in my own life doesn't look like what I thought it was supposed to look like. And I reckon part of it is because, to be honest, we just haven't had the same exposure. It's hard to. Life is busy. You know, we've got things to do. We live in a culture that's always demanding our time, our focus, our energy. And I think if we were really, really, really honest with ourselves, we would all agree that sometimes our spirituality and our spiritual well-being isn't front and center of the primary amount of like time real estate in our given days. I ain't being heavy on that because I can admit that for myself. But like I talk to people and I ask them, you know, like how's your spiritual like apprenticeship with Jesus going? You know, what spiritual practices are you engaging that are bringing life? And to be honest, more people were just like, oh man, I know, I know I should be doing more. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. It's not supposed to be a have to. Don't let me put that. Like, oh, I want to be doing more. I'm like, I know you do. They're like, I'm just struggling. Right? I think if we're honest, there'd be more people in that camp than there aren't. And it's good to be honest. Because when we're honest, we can move from where we really are, except pretending like we're further along and deeper down and more formed by Christ than we really are as individuals and as a community. Let's not be fake. Let's just do the journey together. Here's the honest truth. There's some people in this room, like, that's so onto it that it doesn't just inspire us, it makes us nervous. <laughs> Paul Johnston. <laughs> I can say he's my dad, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Simon Teal. <laughs> Again, just teasing. But then there's the other us, and sometimes we feel a little bit rusty. Um, I went for a fly the other day. In an aeroplane. I have to be honest, it was the first time I've been flying since the world shut down. I, I think I just snuck a few flights in before we went into the first lockdown. So I've been a couple of years, and my birthday was in March, and I was just like, ah, oh. Dee's like, what do you want? I'm like, I want to go flying again. And so she's like, all right, you do that. I, I rang up my flight instructor, who doesn't instruct anymore, but he's like, let's go flying. Uh, and this is the plane that he's currently flying in. And it was quite cool because like, I've only ever flown, um, I don't know, like tricycle wheels where it's like three up the front. So this was the first tail dragger configuration that I'd ever flown. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Chuck up the next photo there, Nathan. Um, that's like, I'm, I'm here. I know you can't see me, but that's me sitting there. Do you know the crazy thing is people sometimes say, oh, like, are you taking photos while flying? I'm like, yeah, because it's really, really safe. Because, you know, you're not supposed to text in, like when you're in the car, but that's because you're in this narrow little like road and there's heaps of people around you and you have to stay on the road. But up there, it's super safe. You can just take your hands off the um, control if you've got it trimmed out and you can take photos all day long until <laughs> you run out of fuel. Um, so this, uh, what's the little island viv just before Adele Island? Do you know the name of that one? Okay, Adele Island's just off the side, like just here. Um, Adele, that's your island. <laughs> uh, next photo. 
So here we go. That's me. Just so you know, I'm not just finding plain photos off the internet, right? And this is my friend, um, Dave. Uh, he, he would love the fact that his face is up there because he is like a staunch atheist. In fact, I walked into his, um, I walked into his hangar and the first thing he sees, he's like, you're still doing the God thing, mate? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, hang on, wait up. Let me give you a hug. I'm like, yes, I am. Thanks for the hug. Um, but he's like, we'll be flying. And he would say things like, hey, Shannon, see that lovely little cloud over there that God put in the sky for us today? Turn the nose to that. I'm like, I love you. I love you too, Dave. He's just having fun, by the way. He's an incredible person. But I, you know, the only reason I tell you that story is, one, I know that Dave loves plane stories. And uh, he sends me lots of memes. And many of them have aviation themes. Um, <laughs> But I've got to be honest, after two years, I was so rusty. You know, he, he is the master. I am the student. When I'm, I'm with him, he, he's teaching me the skills he has. He's trying to impart the knowledge that he has. You know, I've already caught the heart thing, you know, that bug that just wants to fly. And so there's a space where as the master, he's got this head, this hand, and this like heart vibe that he's trying to instill to me. I'm the student. But I was so aware at how rusty I was. It was fun. We were never in, dan- in danger But seriously, like it was clear that there was room to grow on my journey of becoming a follower of Dave in the sky. So discipleship is the Nelson City location in this season. How do we learn to navigate this season as we learn to lead ourselves out of a pandemic that has brought the world to a grinding halt? What does it look for us specifically as the Nelson location, as Annersbrook, to follow this theme of following Jesus, not just as individuals, but as a church? What does it look like to make a fresh commitment to go deeper together? So on the notes there, there's a couple of things that I want you to look at. I even left gaps there for a little bit of interaction if you feel like filling in the spaces. (laughs) But those gaps there, a disciple is someone who spends time with Jesus someone who looks like Jesus, and someone who acts like Jesus. If you don't have a pen, there's some just at your feet. Feel free to pick that up. In fact, it's probably a good idea because then you can scribble any notes that you have or any thoughts as we explore this together. Oh, man. I had a whiteboard marker, and I tried to pull the lid off, and I pulled the thread off. There we go. Trinity, whereabouts are we time-wise. Cool, sweet. We're halfway. That's good. All right. A disciple is someone who spends time with Jesus, who looks like Jesus, and somebody who acts like Jesus. The other thing down the bottom, and that's why I had the whiteboard, because I'm like, I didn't know any other way to make it like real big and obvious, but so I was just like, I wanted to draw it up here so we can just look at it because I think it's a real key to this journey that we're about to take together this year and beyond. You can see the little heading there. It's like, how do we move from, you know, 2D blank to 3D blank? The words that we want to put in there is how do we move from 2D me, M-E, to 3D we, discipleship. I think this is a real key for us. 
because we have a first-person view of our own life, so often we make the mistake of thinking this earth story is all about us and we are the main protagonist in it. And for our own experience, we are. But the reality is, in God's story, He is. And we bring our story realizing that actually as disciples and followers of Christ, it's not about me, 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 me. But it's actually, how do we join Christ in serving humanity? I love this idea of 2D, 3D, because the reality is on every side of us, there are people. I was texting my mum last night, and we were talking about this idea over text. I didn't start the conversation. She started it, right? I don't text my mum and be like, hey, let's talk about my message thoughts. <laughs> but we're just texting. And it's this idea of so often in our culture, living in the West, a culture that like prioritizes and emphasizes and idolizes the individual pursuit. It's so easy for us to read the scriptures and think that a good, healthy spirituality is all about us. And on one level it is. We are supposed to be personally growing. We are supposed to be personally leaning into God. But more often than not, people feed into themselves, but they never transition to the stage of then feeding into others. When I look around this room, I see a whole lot of amazing people. People that I know have a vibrant and alive relationship with our living Saviour filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so often I think, oh, what would it take for us to not just like run good services where a few people just like, you know, come or serve when it's convenient? But what would it look like for us not to think I am God's best gift to humanity, but together we are the church? Like, I don't have to be careful because like, I don't want this to come across like heavy and I'm not slamming anything. But I just like, I honestly reckon as a church, as we explore this theme, we have to explore how do we transition beyond just me discipleship to we discipleship. A disciple is someone who spends time with Jesus. A disciple is somebody who looks like Jesus. A disciple is somebody who acts like Jesus. This idea of being someone who spends time with Jesus. It's this idea of whose we are. <laughs> we trade in our own life and we give it over to Christ to accept the fullness of life. It's this idea, because we know this to be true. The human heart, it is like porous and absorbent like a sponge. It's also as sticky as tar on the road in the middle of a really, really hot summer's day. When you go to cross, you know, you go to cross the road and you're like, Oh, what is that? And you're like, it's bitumen on the bottom of my foot. It's so annoying. But the heart, the human soul is just that sticky. And so as followers of Jesus, it's so important that we spend time as his followers, his disciples, his apprentices. Jesus, who is the visible representation of the invisible God, who through scripture, reading about him, and through spending time with the Spirit who teaches us all of the teachings that Christ taught, we can begin to allow who He is to be the thing that we catch most, the thing that sticks to our souls more, 
the thing that is absorbent. But, but not just me, where we're like, oh, I've got to fill my bucket, you know? That it's like, I've got to fill my spirituality. <laughs> it's like, we really do want to get to the point where our input is so high that we actually feel we've got enough overflow to begin feeding into the buckets and the lives of other people. Not just me, but we. John 14, 26, it says, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in Jesus' name, he will teach you all the things and bring you to the remembrance of all I have said to you. We have scripture and we have the Holy Spirit to keep our focus on who Jesus was, who he is, what he taught, and bring those teachings and his way to be the front and center. So as we head through a world with a sticky soul, we're not just collecting the individualistic and consumeristic aspects that our culture idolizes, but we can actually start to capture more of what Jesus would like us to catch. Here's like an invisible hands up. So don't actually put your hands up, but you know, put it up in your heart. It's like, who spent time in scripture this week by themselves? Hands down, but in your heart. Oh, Hamish is like, oh, I want the world to know. <laughs> uh, who studied the word this week with others? I love that thought. You know, it, it's, it's not a big heavy, but it's just thinking a little bit wider. Like this week, who spent time in prayer? This week, who spent time in prayer with others? You know, one of the things I heard coming back into the Sunday was like, I can't wait to be back together so that we can worship corporately together as a community. It's like this week, we might have worshiped by ourselves, but here in this moment, we know what it is to do that together. I reckon there's room for us to grow at actually having a we discipleship form of spirituality that goes beyond just the we, but just beyond the me. It's about shifting the goalposts. What did I write? This. I reckon we need to change the scorecard for success from being the sporadic attendance of Sunday services when it's convenient to a deep transformational discipleship for every single one of us in the room. Every single one of us. It's not about what happens here once a week, but it's what's happening in here every day and knowing that this is part of us spending time with Jesus in community. Look at the person to your left. Oh, don't, don't you want them just to flourish in the Lord? Look at the person on your right. Don't you just wish that this year, because they were part of this community, that's part of the body of Christ, they would grow, not just stay where they are, not slip back at all, but in Christ, actually be able to say, the year that was 2022, as we leaned into following Jesus and digging deeper as individuals, but as a community, was a year where we saw significant transformational growth, not just in our own lives, but, oh, I love seeing growth in other people. You know, I love doing the journey alongside people. I love seeing the growth that we've seen in Asher over the years. It's amazing. Like when you're up here, 
you know, and playing your bass. I love the fact that you look like you're actually enjoying worship. <laughs> oh man, it's like it actually looks like there's joy in your heart. I love seeing that. And especially when I know we know some of your journey. Of it hasn't always been that way. But it's like there's progress. And there's still more for you. There's still more for you. Again, Paul, that's like, we've all loved watching your journey. <laughs> we had. You know, I know sometimes you say, oh, I'm still so young in my faith. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like we've seen you from the day you rocked in. You can say you're young in your faith, but the transformation that God has done in you in just that short, as in, we love watching it. It's like, we love getting a fresh revelation when we dig into the Word ourselves, but it actually is an absolute joy to know and see what you're doing and see the fruit that God is bringing through you and knowing that actually, because we know that might not have happened if you weren't part of the we. It's actually an incredible me doing amazing things and rallying other people around you because you have leant harder into the we. I love that. I reckon we need to shift the gauge from just spectating to participating. We need to shift the framework from thinking, what am I getting out of this moment to what am I contributing? It's the difference from a consumer to a discipleship follower mentality. The first thing is, the disciple is someone who spends time with Jesus. We are going to explore in this theme the idea of spiritual practices and how we can actually follow Jesus as individuals and as a community, looking at the word, looking at tradition and looking at some of these powerful practices that have been around for thousands and thousands of years, some that were started and practiced by Jesus and the disciples himself. Spiritual practices like solitude, simplicity, fasting, prayer, study of the scripture. We're, gonna we're just going to pull it apart and not just talk around it, but actually look at what would it look like for us to grow in these. Why? just with the hope that as we all practice some form of spirituality, we would be able to bring our me, which is amplified with the we, which is megaphoned as we allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us this year and beyond. The second thing is someone who looks like Jesus. One, someone who spends time with Jesus. Two, someone who looks like Jesus. Three, somebody who acts like Jesus. Number two, someone who looks like Jesus. I love this. This is all about who we're becoming. You know, I think it's really important more than ever that Jesus is more than a fashion accessory. Jesus is more than just the mascot of the church. He's not a mascot. He's the Messiah, the Son of God who came to earth so that all humanity would know what it is to experience the fullness of life. The invitation is to all. But sometimes we spend more effort on the outward appearance, and we don't do equal at the inward appearance. The issue is when I say that is actually there's a breakdown because it's not really about us working on our inside as much as it is positioning ourselves to let the Holy Spirit work on our inside. And that's why the first thing is so important, spending time with Jesus. Because as we immerse ourselves in Scripture and as we immerse ourselves and become attuned to the work and the voice of the Holy Spirit, illuminating the Scriptures and every truth that He spoke that He wants to bring us into, we begin to be formed by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about 
uh, another one. So we're going to talk about spiritual practices, but we're also going to talk about this idea of spiritual formation. Because in this life, the question is not, are you and I being formed? The question is, into what likeness, into whose likeness are we being formed? The reality is every single one of us are going under a constant and dynamic but never-ending process of, um, of formation. We can choose in part what we're being formed into and sometimes things are trying to form us into their likeness and we find ourselves in this tension point in this battle. But a disciple is someone who says, you know what, I don't wanna be formed by the world. <laughs> I don't wanna be formed by the temporal. I don't wanna be formed by my selfish desires. I don't wanna be formed by the parts of my nature that I know are part of the broken, sinful, fallen world. I want to be formed by the Spirit of God into the likeness of Christ. And this is hard because it is a battle because the voice of the world is so much louder and so, well, it's not more constant, but it is louder and all around us. And when we're not spending time with God, then actually often we start to find this imbalance where the voice of heaven is not equal or greater than the voice of the world. As a follower of Jesus, it's not about an external renovation, but as Dallas Willard refers to it, it's this idea of a renovation of the heart. I love this. It's the idea of being formed from God's image into God's likeness. Now we know this. and We read this in Genesis. It's this idea that man and woman, he created in the image of God. Man and woman in his image, he made them. But there's actually a work where he wants to take you from not just being made in his image, but he wants to transform us into his likeness. And it's kind of the difference between, you know, like here today, there's three generations of Johnston. Uh, because there's my son, Julius. Uh, there's myself, Shannon, the first. And then there is my father, Paul. The reality is, like, we're all kind of made in each other's image. It's true. Like, you know, Julius has got my genetics. That's part of the way he has been made. Uh, I've got dad's genes as well with me. We've got, we share similar genetics and DNA. But if you look at Julius, myself, and then dad, I'm a lot more like my dad than I am like my son. <laughs> you know, to be honest, in looks and personality, sometimes I hear myself say things, and I'm like, ugh. How did Paul sneak into my mouth? You know, it's like, that's not always a bad thing, but sometimes it catches me. It's like, the, the reason is there's been a process and there's been an exposure. And God's wanting to do the same with us, his children. He doesn't just want us to be made in his image. He wants to form us into his likeness. And it's something that can only be done by engaging in the process. Understanding that we individually, individual parts of the body of Christ. That's me, you know. We've got a few ears in the room. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the body of Christ. We've got a nose. You've got a few ligaments. But it's actually, again, it's the we. Together, we are the body of Christ. We are the building that God is creating, a holy building, the New Testament temple. Uh, we are the bride of Christ. You know, by ourselves, we might just be a thread in the wedding gown or a rose, you know, if we're using that. But together, 
Together we are being formed into the likeness of Christ, not just as individuals, but as a community. We are formed together, and then we are formed, oh sorry, we are formed individually, me, and then we are formed together, we. I love this idea of me and we, because I think no matter where we are on the journey, there's people who we can help along with their journey, right? People that we can support and love through kindness, people we can pray for, people we can open our homes for, people we can think, how could I help that person on their own discipleship journey? Who can I help um, with their spiritual practices? Who can I help along the way with their spiritual formation? I think it's so important that we have people that we look to, right? That we don't get proud and arrogant in our own spirituality and think we've figured it out. You know, we were the first human being since Jesus Christ to figure out perfect theology in like, I guess, like thought and practice. It's like, no, we need each other. It's this whole process of growing and maturing, right? We know in the natural, we start as an infant. We become a child. Then we become an adolescent. We become a young adult. Then we become an older adult. (laughs) Thanks, Hamish. Here's the thing. It's the same in the spiritual, you know, when we place our faith in Christ, our spirit is instantly like re- regenerated. We're fully spiritually alive in Christ. You can't be more spiritual than that. The only thing that makes a person a spiritual being is whether or not through faith in Christ, they've placed their faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit now dwells within them. That's what full spirituality looks like, right? But there's a maturing process. Right? We have a lot of people that start out as infants. And in an infant stage, we're like fully dependable on those around us. As we get to a child, we, we start to want to explore things more ourselves. And as we move like into adolescence, we move from this place of dependence to independence, right? But the process doesn't stop that independence. Actually, you realize as you mature, independence is not the goal. But as you grow, you realize we are stronger. We are better. We have more to offer each other. Not when we are independent, but when we are interdependent, right? I personally think a huge issue with why, like, the church isn't thriving is because we have too many believers that stop at the adolescent stage of maturity, They move from like dependent on what they were able to get and they were fed. And then they move to the stage where now they are independent. And sometimes there's like this arrogance and pride that comes, you know, you know, like every teenager has, you know, they think they know more than all the adults around them and they're obnoxious in the way they present it, right? (laughs) Yeah. And here's the issue. So many people stop there and they start thinking things like, oh, well, I don't get anything out of my church community anymore. So I better go somewhere else. No, 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 no. Maybe you just mature to the point where you're supposed to stop asking, what am I getting? And you're supposed to start asking, what can I contribute? Right? Imagine if I had Julius and I said, nah, sort it out, mate. (laughs) Not here for you. Oh, I did that. It was so easy. I made it to 36. (laughs) No. As an adult and as a father, I find so much of my time, more than I feel comfortable giving, I wish it was less, but so much of my time is actually about how can I raise my son in every facet of his life so that he can flourish? Honestly, I hope more than I have. When I think through my journey and think of all of the stuff I've gone through, I know it's not always going to be perfect for my kids. 
like even Jesus doesn't promise this journey is going to be perfect or easy or painless. In fact, if we read the gospel, it kind of would be closer to it will be hard. <laughs> there will be pain. There will be suffering. But the gospel is this, but in it you're not alone. And there is a hope that goes beyond the temporal that is eternal. So even when we are subject to temporal suffering, we know that eternally we are connected to the stream of living life and he will never let us go. But my, t- my time is like focused on how do I help my son mature? If I stopped when I was a teenager, right, and it was all about me, nah. I think that we have to know what it is to move from independence to interdependence. Is this okay? (laughs) Imagine if someone said no. (laughs) Okay, there's one more. Obviously, being a disciple is spending time with Jesus. Someone who looks like Jesus over time is transformed from his image to his likeness. And then the third one is, is somebody who acts like Jesus. First John 2, 6, it says this, it says, whoever says he abides in him, speaking of Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You know, if we're following Jesus, then at some point we have to come in fact, we probably need to slow down and stop and ask the question, hey, where is Jesus going and where is he taking us? You know, as we've talked about, we live in a world that Genesis 1 and 2 reveals is inherently good, but fallen. God created it and he said it's good. He created humanity and he said it's very good. But then we read on and we understand the state of goodness fell from where it was. It's cracked. We live in a beautiful world, but we know, you know, you, you don't have to, you don't even have to have eyes to see that this world is broken. Jesus is leading us out of our fallen state. He's leading us out of our broken state, and he's leading us down the path that leads to life. And as we spend time with Jesus, and we're transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit within, and we become more like Jesus. It's only inevitable that we will find ourselves then participating in the mission of God, understanding that actually it is we, the body of Christ, it is we, the church, it is we, the bride, it is we, the New Testament temple. All of those imageries that we see when we read Scripture, it is we that is the primary vehicle that God uses to outwork His redemptive plans and purposes in and through us. It's not supposed to stop at those doors and at the end of the Sunday. We are the vehicle that God is wanting to use to outwork his redemptive and restorative purposes to all humanity. All. And it's exciting on one part because that part of us that makes us feel like we were born for a purpose, which is true, comes alive, and the band should come up while I'm saying this because we're really just right at the end, excites us. And then that part of us that's like we want to live for ourselves gets terrified (laughs) because we know it comes with a cost. But the crazy thing about the cost is it says, he who wants to find his life must lose his life. It's the craziest paradox of the kingdom where we bring all we are and it's the hardest thing to do, but we give it to God and we think we're losing everything. But in that, we realize that actually 
We're gaining everything. (laughs) It's like we hand over the things that we're so precious about, the things that for some reason mean so much to us, the things that we think we can't live without. And it's so hard over time letting those things go. It is. But the reality is God wants to give them so our hands are free so he can give us his life. It's both exciting and terrifying. I want to trademark a new emotion, terrorizing. <laughs> you heard it here first. But that's what we're leaning into. People that are going to spend time with Jesus, dig deeper into looking like Jesus and acting like Jesus. Yes. So, I guess we should stop. (laughs) I want to encourage you, this week, thanks Paul, (laughs) this week, just be praying about it, thinking, God, what can I bring into this? God, how can I contribute to this idea of following God, not just as me, but following God as we? Start praying for this church. I look out and I see all these seats and there is part of me that's like, God, I really do desire to see a day where these seats are full time and time and time again. But then I pray this prayer. I pray, but God, never send the crowds before we have the ability to disciple them, right? Never send the crowds before we've got this sorted where we're actually able to open our hearts and our homes and say, hey, we want to help these people coming in, spend time with Jesus, look like Jesus, and join Jesus on his mission. I reckon it's going to take all of us. We ain't playing church. We're followers of Jesus. You know, we're not just coming here to play tiddlylinks. We're coming here to become the brightest spark that exists in our city. We're not coming here to do transactional spirituality. We're coming here because we believe the Holy Spirit wants to transform all humanity and all creation. It's wildly obnoxious in size (laughs) in terms of a vision to hold. But I think if we aim at anything less, we'll feel like we aimed at less than what we were created and put on this earth for. (laughs) Thanks, Crystal. Paul. That was awesome. That was absolutely (laughs) awesome, man. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.